When you're lost in the darkness, look for the pod. Specifically, the Prestige TV podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network, where we're breaking down every new episode of HBO's The Last of Us. On Sunday nights, grab your battery and join Van Lathan and Charles Holmes for an instant reaction to the latest episode. Then head back to the QZ on Tuesdays for a deep dive with Joanna Robinson and Mallory Rubin. From character arcs to video game adaptation choices, story themes to needle drops, we'll parse every inch of this cordyceps-coated universe. Watch out for mouth tendrils and follow along on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Trial by Content. It's the podcast where we force our favorite pop culture to compete in the Coliseum of Contentious Opinion so we can all decide what wins. Each week, your three humble hosts will debate a pop culture topic, set the specific rules, and rumble until a consensus is reached. Then, with input from you, the listener base, we'll smash together our nominations with yours and determine a final four-nominee poll that will enter Trial by Content and determine what is the final winner. Hello, I'm Dave Gonzalez. Hi, I'm Joanna Robinson. And I am Neil Miller. This week, we're kicking off March by closing out our first ever Trial Royale. You have narrowed down your submissions in the fast and slow slash snow zombie categories to a final four zombie movies that we'll toss around in a final debate before leaving the final decision to you, our listeners. Once more into the zombie breach, my friends, it's time to settle what is the best zombie movie ever. But first... We need to decide what slow zombie movies are joining our fast zombie nominees 28 Days Later and Train to Busan. Joanna, how did we do with the slows? Oh, the slows? (laughs) The slows. I'm really sad that the Trial Royale, I don't know why I say it that way in my head, the Trial Royale is coming to a close. It's been really fun. Fun experiment to linger in this zombie space with you guys for so long. And, And folks, email us. Uh, trialbycontent.gmail.com if like you've enjoyed the trial reality experience if you are down for us to do more uh, you know we're just trying to see if if this is something you want anyway I wasn't supposed to say any of that but I did so um, I'm just here to report on some data (laughs) (laughs) I'm like the Steve Karnacki of this particular uh, we need to get you a big board that'll be a good big audio podcast (laughs) big board and some khakis anyway um, listen a lot of people voted last week and a lot of people really care about one movie. But the good news is, is they care a little bit about another movie, and that movie also made it to our final four. So at the bottom of the list, we're not really surprised, is Dead Snow with only 2.2% of the vote. Everyone Listen, who's seen Dead Snow voted for Dead Snow. I, yeah. I agree. I agree. <laughs> that's about right. Like, that's about where Dead Snow should be. But I did have a fun time watching it and talk to you guys about it. Dawn of the Dead, the George Romero, 1978, 11.9% of the vote. Boo! Um, You're wrong. You're all wrong. Sorry, go ahead. But edging it out barely is Night of the Living Dead, also George Romero. Uh, with 17.6% of the vote, but running away with the poll and perhaps this entire trail royale, well, we shall see. Shaun of the Dead with a whopping 68% of the vote. I will say at one point I checked into the poll and Shaun of the Dead had like over 70% of the vote. And I was like, come on, let's, let's <laughs> come on, somebody vote for something else. It's okay. Shaun's going to make it into the final mm-hmm. round. It was let's, never in uh, danger. <laughs> Let's give Night of the Living Dead the OG some love. So I'm thrilled to see Night of the Living Dead in this uh, in this final four here. Um, 
Dave, anything else you want to say about Dawn of the Dead before we stop talking about it ever again? I think it's a mistake. I think it's the best zombie movie ever, but not in our <laughs> final four. So that's what happens when democracy reigns. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, I'm writing this down. Dave says democracy was a mistake. All right, so this... <laughs> when, when it comes to zombies. This week's hook is uh, zombies. No, uh, as, it, as it always has been. We've, we've done a lot of discussion about... Fast zombies, the origin of fast zombies, the origin of slow zombies. Neil gave us a really good history lesson last week on that. Um, I know that Dave read an entire zombie book uh, during I did. The, the Ringer Wellness Week. He was like, time off from zombies. No, thank you. I'll read an entire book. Um, and he texted me that he has revised his like really ingenious uh, which political party is in the White House uh, theory. So Dave... Can you, mm-hmm. A, refresh us on what your original theory was in case folks didn't listen to that episode? And then, B, tell us how that has changed since you read this book. And what's the name of the book that you read? Yeah, the name of the book I read is Zombies, A Cultural History by Roger Luckhurst. He's a, a professor of modern literature at the University of London. Uh, this book did come out uh, in time for The Walking Dead to have taken over sort of like zombie culture, so it takes us all the way up through there. But my original thought was, in things like the 90s, we had a, a lack of important zombie movies, and we were trying to discuss why, and obviously it went over to sort of the Resident Evil infection vector uh, Jap- Japanese uh, horror side before mutating and coming back. We talked about that a little bit. and uh, So I was thinking... What else happened in the 90s? There was a uh, Clinton presidency during uh, the majority of it. And I sort of uh, speculated that when you have a uh, Democrat American president, uh, that it's maybe scarier that uh, to have some a monster like a vampire, which would stand in for the super rich, uh, seductive people out to suck the blood of everybody else. And maybe when you have a Republican president, like with the zombie resurgence in the early 2000s under George W. Bush, that the cultural fear under a Republican president is the masses rise up and overtake you uh, to sort of make it overtly political. But the more I delved into the cultural history of zombies, uh, specifically through uh, Neil's recommendation to actually check out uh, White Zombie and to sort of read more about uh, where how the culture produced this particular monster, I am convinced it is just capitalism. Doesn't matter who the president is, it's capitalism, and then when it's not capitalism, it's uh, colonial fears, which are just echoing capitalist fears. Well, can you tell me what you mean by it's cap it's capitalism? Yes. Uh, so the idea that's sort of forwarded in Dawn of the Dead is uh, building off of something that's also in Night of the Living Dead, when uh, towards the end of that movie, when there are um, roving groups uh, killing off the rest of the infected ghouls, uh, there's a lot of overhead shots which are meant to sort of Uh, make us look at them and wonder if we're looking at the hunters or the zombies, which is sort of implying, you know, what I think George Romero's uh, zombie series actually implies overall, which is like, we're all the zombies. Uh, Everything that we do in terms of uh, finding a community around buying things uh, or whatnot uh, has made us the zombies. Uh, Even more so uh, from this book, I'm going to read a a little bit uh, from the section that's talking about Dawn of the Dead, which says that the zombie after the 2008 
global financial crash has been declared the official monster of the recession, the image of the suckered global poor. So basically, after Dawn of the Dead, we become the lower classes become the zombies. And that's actually, I think, been echoed all the way back. If you look back to a lot of the Haitian voodoo origins that uh, mm-hmm. Neil talked about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the reason that sort of came to the forefront in the American psychology is because Haiti had a successful slave rebellion and made itself independent. And in order to uh, stop that uh, non-white state from happening, uh, the U.S. basically immediately put them in never-ending debt and uh, occupied them, which led to a whole bunch of uh, anthropologists quote-unquote, some more better faith than others, uh, heading down to Haiti and being like, well, what's with these traditions uh, that are coming about? And that's how you sort of get the first idea of the zombie. And then that sort of echoed through uh, specific colonial othering through the pulp magazines of the 30s through the 50s, where it's basically like the difference between a civilized society and a non-civilized society is whether or not they eat people Uh, You get things like Cannibal Holocaust or a lot of the Yellow Scare uh, or a whole bunch of those adventure stories about a man going deep into the jungle to find the lost tribe and, oh, they're cannibals. It must be so weird. Uh, That's essentially zombie narratives that then became adapted. And sort of the major switch I could tell that actually happened with zombies is it went from the zombies are a product of capitalism, like how can we work people even after they're dead, to we're all actually becoming zombies as capitalism moves throughout the world. Like the diff- the only thing that happened is we stopped worrying about colonialism and we embrace neoliberalism and global capitalism. And in that sort of vector, we're, we're the zombies. It really made it easier to root for the zombies in a lot of these movies once I realized <laughs> that. <laughs> well, and I think, I mean, I think the, the shopping mall setting is like one interesting factor of that. But also we talked about this with, Shaun of the Dead, like the opening of Shaun of the Dead, which is just sort of like, what's the difference between us and like us and the zombies? Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like we're already zombified by our technology. And that was in 2004. That was like pre iPhone. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. But it's like that sort of switch where it's like the zombies are the others to the zombies are us is, I think, the major switch that happens in uh, zombie movies and uh, media. And the weird thing is that switch primarily happens in <laughs> like majorly uh, colonized or countries based on colonization like us and, and England. Uh, so sort of like the idea uh, that um, we sort of stopped being the bad guys in order to make ourselves uh, a monster that's maybe a little bit more relatable. Like, I could relate to a zombie in a lot of these movies a lot more than I could relate to the idea that, like, I, m- my ancestors passively caused all of this. Anyway, that's, that might be super depressing, but it was Thank you for start. that <laughs> absolutely bleak historical sociopolitical lesson, but I, no, it's really At least I didn't make it about COVID. It could have tried that. <laughs> yeah, right. All that's before social media and COVID. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How dare you introduce despair to our three-week meditation on the walking dead. <laughs> Something else we're doing this week uh, is we're looking back at all the movies that we've seen and sort of handing out some awards. Uh, Neil Miller, 
mm-hmm. our our usual awards show host on this podcast. What are we doing in terms of awards this week? Well, we're doing something we call the Georgie Romeros. Uh, the Awards of the Living <laughs> Dead. This is the name we've landed on. Uh, this, of course, calls back to our Game of Thrones days, uh, giving out Georgies in honor of George R. R. Martin. We just we have a lot of favorite Georges, and they're all they've all done some really great work. Uh, so yeah, we've got a bunch of awards we're going to give out. We're each going to pick one winner from any of the eight movies that made it into our bracket. So that's the only limitation here. And I think we're going to start with most terrifying individual zombie. And I would like to kick things off because I want to tell you about a little bit about this this guy. Mine, uh, most terrifying individual zombie is Tar Man from The Return of the Living Dead. The uh, chocolate syrup covered goopiest guy. Here's the thing about uh, Tar Man, which is a name that is fairly uncomfortable to say, (laughs) but it is his name. (laughs) But... um, there's there's a couple elements. One is one of the goopiest zombies. The other one is the actor, the performer Alan Troutman has this that very skeletal like physique. So there's just this like creepiness to him. Uh, the other thing about <laughs> Tar Man from Return of the Living Dead is he's one of the rare zombies who made it back for several sequels. So I know we didn't talk about all the sequels to in the Living Dead franchise, but this one zombie keeps coming back multiple times over. So I, I think that alone is terrifying. Because I was just trying to think about this, like, uh, think about the infected in um, The Last of Us, for example. Those are zombies that would be easy for me to make a decision about, right? Like, they're coming mm. at me, they're coming quick, I gotta run. But if, if like, Tar Man was there, or if, you know... <laughs> zombified trash was there. (laughs) Those are zombies that would cause me to stop and consider what I was looking at. And I think that would actually get me killed in most zombie movies. So, uh, so mine, mine is, is, is tar man from return of the living dead. Um, all right, let's let's Dave, who who is your most terrifying zombie? Mine is group? also from Return of the Living Dead, but it's not tar man. It is, uh, Freddy, uh, one of the idiots who gets exposed to the gas and slowly dies. But the reason he's the most terrifying individual zombie is towards the end of the movie, his girlfriend Tina, not zombified, hiding in an attic, and Freddy still has the wherewithal to plead with her, like, why would you hurt me and why would you leave me? And that is so much worse if a zombie's talking to you. <laughs> the emotionally uh, manipulative like, zombie. I was, the gaslighter. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's a gaslighting zombie that wants to eat your brains. It does. It's not Freddy <laughs> anymore. But yeah, that is terrifying to me. And I think individualized in our other movies. There's a couple other, like, I think most famously in Night, when you realize that the zombie is like your brother, you sort of have a moment of, uh, of uh, not good thinking uh but imagine how bad that would be if uh it could talk to you and taunt you so freddie gets my my georgie for the nice. most terrifying individual zombie <laughs> or imagine how 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 bad it would be in another living dead if if johnny didn't absolutely suck uh okay so <laughs> just to recap i don't i can't remember if we did this so just to recap we might have but just to recap the recap mm. the eight movies we're drawing from right are mm-hmm. return of the living dead dawn of the dead 2004 Train to Busan, 28 Days Later, Dawn of the Dead, 1978, Night of the Living Dead, Shaun of the Dead, and Dead Snow, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And our final bracket, which we'll talk about in a bit, are Shaun of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, 
Train to Busan, and 28 Days Later. So that's yes. the final four that we will be uh, discussing later. Um, but from the eight that I just mentioned, the the long list of the bracket, my most terrifying individual zombie is more the moment than the zombie itself because the zombie doesn't look any different from any of the other zombies. But it's in Train to Busan when we... It's the very first zombie we really see, which is this girl who's been, like, bitten and she, like just makes it onto the train and then she's like freaking out in the um I don't know what you call is it a stewardess when you're on a train I don't know the it's train like employee <laughs> yeah is like trying to help her and she's like she's <laughs> she's freaking out she's the the attendant is facing the camera and from behind her like rears up this <laughs> zombie and the zombie <laughs> design and train to Busan is so like their physicality is so cool and unusual and upsetting that like when that happens, you're just like, oh no, and we're and the train's in motion and we're locked in, and so like that one, that that chick is a very terrifying standout zombie for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we'll we'll come back to those zombies in Train to Busan. I feel like they're gonna win some awards here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, so then now we have best death. Now there, there's a couple there's a couple different awards here. We have a best death and a, like a most impressive kill. So these these kind of overlap a little bit, but this this should be fun. Um, who wants to go first? Best death, Dave. You want to give us your best death? Sure. I went with best and the one that brought me the most joy. So <laughs> fuck you, evil businessman, and train to Busan. I'm glad you died. I'm sorry you weren't afraid, but like, come on. So was everybody. That guy. This is just the death I could get the most behind. I did not feel bad for that man dying by the time he died. <laughs> Remember when he just like fully takes down that conductor with mm-hmm. him? Yeah. Like yeah. right at the end. Just, just anyone just in the area. Him for like n- literally throws him. Like, what mm-hmm. the fuck? Anyway, yeah, yeah. God, that guy, terrible. Um, Joanna, who do you got for best death? Um, I can't believe I'm still on Train to Busan. I apologize. I really liked that movie. <laughs> um, but I I decided to interpret best death as sort of like the most emotional death mm-hmm. um and there's a lot of like self-sacrifice throughout the um these films but i would i'm gonna give it to to our two hot dads in trade Busan, both of which like throw themselves in in you know for their for their kids or future kid and um <laughs> i will say hot dad number one right our main our main character there's something about the way that when he dies and it like briefly turns into like a Korean soap opera drama mm-hmm. moment. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just epic tragedy like the whole, at the end. The whole tone of the movie changes and there's like a fuzzy Vaseline on the lens moment. Um, I, I love that. So it's the it's the two dads in Train to Busan. Nice, nice. Um, all right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna diverge away from Train to Busan. I Similar to Dave, I went I went with one that I found entertaining, but I also just felt was like the most over-the-top way for a character to go. And that is in The Return of the Living Dead, there's a character named Frank, who at one point Frank gives an amazing monologue about zombies. But when Frank gets bit, he decides that he's not going out like that. And he <laughs> proceeds to, by himself, with no help, cremate himself. <laughs> By firing up the cremation oven, getting in, closing himself inside. Shout out to Frank for being like, screw this. I'm going to find the most painful uh, 
Rube Goldbergian way to kill myself <laughs> because I just got bit by a zombie. And it's uh, self-cremation. It's a shout out to Frank. Oh, Frank. Awesome death. <laughs> I feel like um, if folks are listening to this and haven't watched Return of the Living Dead, you two are doing such a good job selling this as like such a fun movie. <laughs> it really is. Every, yes. every <laughs> anecdote you tell out of this movie, I'm sure people are like, I'm sorry, what? Right. Josh got naked again? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're not done with Return of the Living Dead yeah, I mean, cleaning up in the Georgies. Yeah, Trash, Tar Man, and Self Cremation. And we're only through three two awards so far. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> which means we're on to most impressive kill. Uh, this one, I think, can involve humans dying, but it's usually about at least taking a zombie with them. And I will give you an example by starting. Mine is from Dead Snow. There's a character named Liv who uh, is trying to escape and eventually gets caught by zombies. And then we get this great POV shot of her waking up as the zombies are tearing into her torso and eating her. And, and these are Nazi zombies, by the way, just in case you missed the whole bit about dead snow. And as she's being eaten by the zombies, she steals a grenade from one of their belts and blows them all up with her as well. That is an awesome way to take out several zombies and an awesome way to go. Shout out to Liv from Dead Snow, who, uh, I mean, honestly, both, the, both of the young women in Dead Snow get awesome deaths and or fake out deaths uh, in that movie. But blowing yourself up with the zombies is really good. Uh, Joanna, what's what do you think is the best kill? Okay, most impressive kill. Yeah, uh, which is sort of in this category is I'm giving it to Rooftop Andy from Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead and his celebrity sniper game. <laughs> Jay um, Leno. And if you haven't, <laughs> and if you haven't seen, this is like a great part of Dawn of the Dead. If you haven't seen that dawn of the dead um he's playing a game with our our heroes who are trapped on the roof of the mall and he's trapped on the roof of his own uh guns and ammo store uh that's sort of like kitty corner to where they are they can't get to each other because there's just like a sea of milling zombies like between them and so to pass the time because they're there for months right um Mm -hmm. i think um at least many many weeks um they play a game where our heroes call out the, the, a celebrity lookalike for one of the zombies in the crowd, and then Rooftop Andy picks them off. So there's like Burt Reynolds, Jay Leno. So not only does Andy have to like pick them off with sniper accuracy, which he does, but also identify which is which zombie looks like which celebrity. It's a <laughs> delightful, <laughs> delightful moment of the film. Very impressive aim and celebrity recognition from Rooftop Andy. Oh, mine is also from the 2004 Dawn of the Dead. So let me describe to you what I would call the chainsaw oopsie, which is they're trying to go, they're trying to get over to Andy later in the movie and have turned some buses into some uh, mobile strongholds, uh, including a hole uh, in the side of the bus where they could stick a chainsaw through to chainsaw any zombies that are, you know, grabbing onto them. Unfortunately, the man wielding the chainsaw has never done so on a moving vehicle. So the chainsaw kind of kicks, which causes him to slice another living woman in half through the torso uh, vertically. So, uh, and just the the speed at which that happens, and of course, because it's the 2004 Dawn of the Dead, the graphic nature that it happens I think it's one of the examples of Dawn of the Dead sort of disgusting jokes that kind of works. Like, 
of course, a chainsaw would be fun in a zombie movie, but like chainsaws have real physics and uh, chainsaws are dangerous. And uh, yeah, there's a chainsaw oopsie. Uh, that is my most impressive kill, even though it's not a zombie <laughs> kill. Yeah. You know, well, you know, sometimes humans are the real monsters. In these <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> we'll get to that for yeah. sure. All right. This next one is a really fun one that we have been doing as long as we've been podcasting together. It goes all the way back to Catelyn Stark in Game of Thrones and her uh, original ironic statement, Walder Frey would never harm me. <laughs> Sarcastic. Uh, spoilers for Game of Thrones. <laughs> Lord Walder would never harm me. Oh. But this is our way of tracking which characters are saying uh, hilarious statements, statements that become hilariously ironic, sometimes almost immediately. Um, so who is your, your, your top ironic statement winner? Joanna, let's start with you. What's, what's your favorite ironic statement? I had a bunch, but and I felt like I shouldn't use this one, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, it's from Night of the Living Dead, and it's good old Johnny saying, they're coming to get you, Bob. <laughs> yeah. Immediately, immediately, Johnny gets got. They didn't come yeah. to get Barbara, they came to get Johnny. So, By another yeah. contender for uh, most terrifying individual zombie, Cemetery Man from yeah. Night of the Living Dead. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Creepy, creepy performance. Uh, that one's a great one. Dave, what do you got for ironic statement? Thank you for going to me because I know you've got uh, a couple uh, packed in the in the barrel, and I wanted to make sure I got this one in. Sure. I'm sure I, I'm sure I brought this up before when we were talking about the uh, fast zombies, but I still love it because Return of the Living Dead has a lot of comedic moments, including Trash saying, "Well, for me, the worst way to go would be for a bunch of old men to get around me and start biting and eating me alive." <laughs> And then she goes, and first they take my clothes off, which leads us to bring the light. Trash is taking her clothes off again. So uh, Trash, man, she really, she saw to the future. She really, clairvoyance was one of Trash's many skills. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right, I do have two, and I I prepared two because I was like, maybe someone will steal these, but uh, neither of them have been taken, so we're going with both of them. The first one is 28 Days Later, finally getting that movie in here. There is a scene toward the end of 28 Days Later where Jim, uh, Killian Murphy's character, goes over a wall and sort of escapes the the soldiers. And one of the soldiers says, no problem. He's outside. No gun. No vehicle. He's a dead man. Let me me tell you what, friends. Jim makes it a little further in the movie. Uh, And, uh, you know, it doesn't end well for the soldiers either. So that, that one's pretty good. I think the most direct one, though, comes from Dawn78, which is a character named Roger, who has uh, been bitten. And at this point, the characters really do understand that he's going to turn, but he's just sort of laying there looking pretty pale. And he just says, I'm going to try to not come back. Like, I'm going to try to not turn into a zombie. (laughs) Spoilers for Dawn of the Dead 78, but Roger becomes a zombie very soon after. (laughs) But this idea of like, I know I'm bit, I'm just going to try to will myself to not turn into a zombie. I'll just stay down, guys. Don't worry, I'll just stay dead. That's the thing I can totally do. Shout out to Roger. Um, So there you have it, some ironic statements. Our next award, we're calling the Goop and Glue Award, which is our favorite physical slash makeup effect. Uh, And I'm happy to go first on this one. Mine, yet another mild cheat. I am going with every single zombie in Train to Busan for this, because I think 
one of the things Train to Busan accomplishes is the makeup design understands that it's all going to come from the performance, right? It it complements the performance so well. Like we get these where the attention is drawn to the eyes and those like bright contacts that a lot of the zombie actors are wearing. And then it's just really simple from there. It's like just blood all over their face. But that combined with the way the actors contort themselves and the way they like express with their faces and like open their eyes really wide as they become zombies. I think it's that combination that makes those zombies super terrifying in Train to Busan. So it's it's doing the most with sort of the least, I would say the least amount of makeup of any of these movies for the zombies, right? Because we're used to like The Walking Dead and like Greg Nicotero style where like zombies are just like falling apart. But Train to Busan, it's like those are recently humans that have changed enough to be super terrifying. So that's that's mine. Uh, Dave, what do you got? What, what's your favorite effect? Well, in a movie called Dead Snow where there are Nazi zombies and a lot of intestinal uh, things, <laughs> my favorite uh, goop and glue moment is going to go to the character called Erland, who is he's he's a fan of movies. He does mm-hmm. an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. Uh he's, you know, uh, he participates a, in the grossest sex scene in the history of cinema. I mean <laughs> we might still be getting there, but yes. Uh when he dies, he's pulled through a window by a whole bunch of Nazi zombies who insert their fingers into his facial orifices and rip his skull vertically in half so that his brains fall on the floor. And that's going to get the award from me. <laughs> Speaking of Game of Thrones level moves. <laughs> yeah. There's also a moment where they pull the limbs and the head off of someone like all simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Like all the zombies working together. My uh, my winner of this category is also from Dead Snow. But it's not one of the like victim moves. I just want to give it to... Standartenführer Herzog, right? Who's our like main zombie. And he's just got like one of those like prosthetically altered like sneers where you see someone's like teeth all the time. But there's, mm-hmm. it's a pretty simple effect, but there's just something about him. Uh, and he's like the face of Dead Snow. And I don't think any of the other zombies in their design stand out as like individual mm-hmm. zombies as much as. Herzog does. So, uh, yeah, that guy. And he's like, he becomes like, he's the image of Dead Snow. Is this guy in his dumb Nazi uniform standing in the snow, sort of just like sneering (laughs) zombily at you. So, sneering zombily. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right. So, there you have it. Some good, some great, great makeup effects. Zombie cinema is full of uh, amazing innovations in goop. All right, so my the next one we have on the list here is the dumbest move, which I've interpreted as like dumbest decision people have made in in a in a zombie movie. And I'm I'm yeah. most curious to hear what you guys have to say on this one. Uh, Joanna, let's start with you because I think this one was one was one that you had on. I on insisted <laughs> that this be included so that I could take some time to talk about effing Nicole, one of our characters in uh, Dawn of the Dead who's holed up in the mall 2004 mm-hmm. uh, and they what happens rooftop Andy is starving we can see his ribs is like wasting away because they've got a mall full of food and he just has bullets to eat right, right. And he's so just got a gun shop they <laughs> yeah 
So they send this dog that they have who the zombies don't care about. Yeah. A lovely, wonderful dog. They send the dog over with some food. The dog gets in trouble. And so Nicole's like, guess what? I'm going to go get the dog. And without talking to anyone, Nicole's not a planner. She's not a leader. She just takes a vehicle and goes after the dog with no plan. And and then a whole bunch of people have to go rescue Nicole. And a whole bunch of good people die rescuing Nicole. And Nicole gets to live until the end of the movie. And it makes me really mad. <laughs> so, like, I understand people doing things to protect uh, animals. I understand that some people, like, you know... Hey Joanna, maybe if it was a cat, you would feel differently because I'm not as much of a dog person. But like, no, I'm sorry, Nicole. You put so many people's lives at, like in danger to rescue a dog when like that's not how the math should work, right? Also, okay, when it's established so. that the zombies don't go after dogs, yeah, he's the fine. dog's fine. He's sure. fine. Nicole failed so. to recognize the dog had plot armor, which <laughs> you know that's tough. I mean, the the issue for me really is that Nicole just didn't talk to anyone. She's just sure. freaking out and just sneaks away, takes a vehicle, compromises a vehicle, compromises a bunch of people's lives. So, sure. effing yeah, Nicole. Well, and, listen, zombie films, the survivalist part of it is, usually is a debate between individualism and collectivism. And sometimes yes. the difference is just communicating what's going on <laughs> <laughs> to other people. So, there you have it. Uh, okay. Then I, I've got one. Uh, my dumbest yeah. move is from Dawn, uh, 1978, George Romero's. And this is during the sequence where the bikers have invaded the mall and they have begun, uh, among other things, hitting zombies with pies. But one of the bikers chooses this as the opportune moment to use one of those blood pressure kiosks at the mall to check his blood pressure to the point where he is very quickly becomes just an arm stuck in a blood pressure <laughs> kiosk <laughs> and the That's rest fun. of his body is gone. So that is, I believe, uh, maybe one of the dumbest things you can do in a zombie <laughs> outbreak is sit down and strap yourself into a chair in the middle of a mall. Uh, so so there you go. That's my Guys, dumbest move. <laughs> zombie movies are fun. So you know? Zombie movies are fun. <laughs> they really are the best. Dave, what is your dumbest decision in a movie. Uh, mine doesn't actually involve zombies, although it does sort of kick off the uh, <laughs> zombie invasion part of this movie, but uh, it's Sex in an Outhouse from Dead Snow. Mm. It's, just, it's gross. And you know what? It's something that we could all avoid doing, even though we aren't actually in a zombie apocalypse. So it's the most proactive thing where you see it in a movie, you're like, never. And <laughs> you could make that happen for you, yourself in your life. Just don't do it. Sure. I don't sure. know if this scene exists on YouTube, but I, you know, based on how many people voted for Dead Snow, I don't think a ton of you watched Dead Snow, uh, despite it being in this bracket. But I would need you to see this scene because it's like you're you're imagining sex in that house. You're like, that sounds not great. It's worse than that. Um, like, it's it's worse, and I need you to watch it. <laughs> it's somehow so, worse. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I wholeheartedly agree with that one. That's, 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 don't, uh, zombie apocalypse or not, do not have sex in an outhouse. There are so many other places in the world where you could do that, uh, hygienically. All right, moving on to the next award. This one I like to call the hide and seek champ. There, in zombie movies, there is a lot of running away from zombies and hiding. I, I would like to start with this one as well, because we haven't had enough 28 days later 
in this in my, these awards yet. Mine is also twenty eight days later. What are yours? <laughs> so mine is the part where uh, the young girl who has yeah, just been given yes. a shitload of Valium to, uh, I guess, feel less bad about the zombie thing. She's trying to hide from a zombie, and she goes behind a mirror. And holds so herself up so that her feet are no longer showing behind a mirror, I think is got to be one of the best hiding spots. I don't think in real life it would work, but I like it. I'm not even sure it would work on like a standard zombie. These are our like rage infected zombies. Sure. And mm-hmm. he's like distracted and confused by his own reflection. Yeah. Um. So like, <laughs> I'm not sure it would work on like sort of the single minded driven zombies who are just bumping around trying to like find something. Mm-hmm. But this this one who's like, uh like at his own reflection it's like really good (laughs) and then marbles I also had that one but I had a backup one too can I I give you my backup I was gonna ask if I stole yours the kid in 28 days later behind the mirror is perfect but I guess this is like my best opportunity to shout out what my favorite I've already talked to you guys about this but my favorite move in Train to Busan which is when a character when they figure out that the zombies can't open doors and a character without even like thinking twice just quickly wets these sort of slightly opaque glass doors that are on the train and throws up a bunch of newspapers on there it's not really a hiding place but she like Mm -hmm. obscures all of our living people from the train car full of zombies who are just bumping around. So she hides them with this newspaper move, and it's just like one of the coolest, sharpest, fastest moves that I've seen from one of our uh, human characters in a zombie movie. So, shout out the newspaper trick. Yeah. All right, Dave. Mine's from the original Dawn of the Dead, and it's slight, and they don't spend a lot of time talking about it in the movie, but it does ultimately... Uh, play into the downfall of the uh, uh, mall safe safe zone. And that is uh, the installation of a fake wall uh, blocking the hallway to their like little apartment where they just like, they're like, before we deal with all the zombies, before we, you know, get our stuff, we need to make sure they can't just wander into our, our little safe zone. So they put up a fake wall. And it's like smart thinking considering none of them are carpenters or know anything about zombies. They hide in there for a long time. Yeah, like a a whole quarter of a pandemic. It's, uh, (laughs) but they get to do it. (laughs) All right, cool. So great hiding. We got great goop. Let's talk about something sad. And this is the saddest loved one turning award. And I, I, I have one, but I feel like it's going to get stolen, but we'll see. Dave, you go first. What is the oh. saddest loved one turning moment from these eight zombie movies? Well, I'm going to throw back to our love of Game of Thrones, and I'm going to pick a Hodor moment. It's Yoon Sang-hwa in Train to Busan, who holds the door as he's he changing. Does. But like, he's the, he's the punchy guy, and I love the punchy yeah. guy, and he doesn't take any shit, and I love that about him. Uh, but ultimately, he sacrifices himself so that his future child can live on. And uh, very sad. Hell yeah. That's a great one, though. Joanna, saddest uh, love one know. turning. Do we have the same one? Let's find out. Um, <laughs> for me, I mean, Dave's is a really, really good one. Um, but I'm going to pick another dad. And it's uh, Brendan Gleeson in 28 Days Later. Ooh. Because, you know, he. it's so... It's so like 
for no reason, right? He doesn't get, you know, bit or attacked by a zombie. A drop of blood falls from the sky, hits him in the eyeball. I think about it all the time. And, the, you know, the way the rage virus works in 28 Days Later is it's just like <laughs> fluids and orifices and that's it for you. And what's upsetting is that the turn in 28 Days Later is so fast um, that he does. there's not even just like time. Mm-hmm. to even, like, register that it's happened, to say goodbye, anything like that. He is immediately, because he was already kind of in a rage space, he's immediately, like, starting to rage. He, all he can do is snarl at his daughter to stay away. Um, he's been such a, like, important, warm leader figure in our little quartet. Um, and then he gets shot by the military douchebags right away. I mean, like, there was no saving him at that point, but it's just, like, the fact that they don't get to say goodbye to him, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, in terms of, like, a lot of the other turns are slower, so you have this, like, you know, slow, sad realization, and this, like, no, but it's, like, this is just, like, it's he's gone. One drop of blood in the eye, and he's gone, so... Yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, I'm I'm happy to report that not only did we not pick the same one, I think mine is the opposite vibe, <laughs> which is um, a very slow, kind of relentlessly sad moment in an otherwise the funniest movie that we've talked about, which is when they finally get Barbara in Shaun yeah. of the Dead, and Sean has to, they have to have this whole debate about what's going to happen to his mom as she's like laying there, turning into a zombie, sitting there in that booth, turning into a zombie. So shout out to Shaun of the Dead because every time I watch that scene, I am reminded of how genuinely sad it is when Shaun has to kill his mom in this really, really silly movie that sends up a lot of uh, these other zombie movies that we're we're talking about. But they finally get Barbara. Um, All right. We got a couple more. And these are going to be fun ones too. Uh, This next one is the biggest man is the real monster moment. And I listen, I have to go first because I think We've talked about this guy so much. The gentleman on the train in Train to Busan who uh, very quickly establishes himself as, I think he's like an executive for the train company, right? He's like, he he establishes himself as someone with like some kind of knowledge and authority and then immediately begins sacrificing everyone else (laughs) to save himself. He sacrifices like a baseball team. A bunch of teenagers get sacrificed. We talked about the conductor. Um, This guy at every turn makes the worst possible decision to the point where, again, this is a character I think in 2016, this guy reacting to a pandemic like this felt a little over the top. But watching it in 2023, I was like, nope. That's, that's, I think, how it would go in a, in a zombie pandemic. So, uh, yeah, the guy in Train to Busan who sacrifices everyone, that's, uh, that's, that's my, my worst man is the real monster moment. What do you guys have that is different than that? Joanna, you got a different one? No, but I can only, I'm just going to yes and because it is that fucking dick on the train the in Train worst. to Busan. He's like the, like the worst person. But I, but, but, Actually, what I had written down was the first class cabin in Train of Busan because it's not just mm. him. It's the way he gets the entire cabin, um, all of whom die, by the way, to like tie the door shut against our heroes who are trying to make their way from the back of the train. Um, and it's the way they're like pulling so hard. It's not like a passive, let's not help mm-hmm. them. It is an active, we are holding this door against uh, our fellow man who is on the other side trying to get in, including an old lady. 
doesn't mm-hmm. make it. Um, so, so yeah, the first class cabin. Fuck them. Yep. Ooh, Dave. I'm going back in time to the original Night of the Living Dead, and uh, yeah. I just I'm saying meat hook credits, uh, which is <laughs> at the end of that movie, our survivor is shot, and then the credits play over a, a sequence of him being brought to where his body's going to be burned via meat hook, all of which would play uh, a little bit better if he wasn't black and uh, it brings up a ton of uh, real world uh, lynching vibes. Uh, I think that's it, an incredible pivot, especially at that point in the story of Night of the Living Dead. You're starting to get the idea that maybe everybody's going to be okay. And then it's like, no, plus watch these credits. And it's just graphic in a way that you didn't realize uh, was different until it was juxtaposed with zombie violence. I will watch so many children eat real livers uh, <laughs> that I will uh, wanting to watch those meat hook credits ever again. What's our next one here? Most aggravating hidden bite. <laughs> These just get more ridiculous as we go on. Okay, I like this one. Most aggravating hidden bite. This is, of course, the zombie movie trope where uh, characters get bit and then hide it from other characters until the last possible moment. Uh, Joanna, you want to you want to kick us off? Who, who's who do you think has the best hidden bite moment? Oh my god, it's, fucking, it's not her fault. But it's, the, it's the it's the pregnant lady. Zack Snyder's still on the dead. <laughs> yeah. That's the one I who have is, as well. Yeah, yeah, that's also the one kept, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is kept Luda. alive by her partner, who straps her down and makes her give birth to her zombie baby. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then they both just need so, to be killed. So. And, then everyone, and then everyone dies. <laughs> plus, the, plus the kindly lady who checks in on them. It's just, it's, that whole thing is so aggravating because it takes so long and you're just like, oh my God. This yeah. is where Barbara from Shaun of the Dead could have gone if sure. the moment wasn't dealt with the way that it was, uh, which I right. think is like fully dealt with. Plus Shaun of the Dead by inherently being like a comedy based on zombie films had to have uh, aggravating hidden bites. So I think sure. they really threaded the needle but, uh, on that one. Also, shout out to Shaun of the Dead for having the most hilarious character not even trying to hide the bite, which is Philip, played by Bill Nye. Yeah, he's just like, I'm fine. I ran it under a cold tap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If Nicole had one dumbest move, mm-hmm. it would be Mackay Pfeiffer as Andre for chaining up his pregnant girlfriend yeah. who is clearly turning into a zombie. That just very just bad. the worst. Thank you. Thank you for that, Zack Snyder. And James Gunn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the needle drop uh, kings. Uh, we're down to uh, two more. These are fun ones. We have most unlikely friendship, which I'm I, I'm going to start. Joanna already shouted these two guys out uh, from Train yeah. to Busan, but I'm going with the action dads from Train yeah. to Busan because Gong Yu and Ma Dong sex characters, uh, neither of whom really make it uh, all the way through the movie, but they are very heroic and I think the the movie does a really good job initially of creating conflict between those two to where when they finally do kind of team up and and realize that they're on the same side against the first class cabin, basically, uh, that it's it's really fun. So uh, I like them as my my unlikely friendship. Uh, Dave, who's your favorite unlikely friendship? I'm not sure it's my favorite, but I do think it's the most unlikely, which is... Uh... A bunch of attractive girls and a bunch of fucking idiots in dead snow. <laughs> <laughs> like what the uh, the premise the premise of dead snow sets it up, and I'm like, I can't wait to watch all of these people die. <laughs> like, 
what choices in their lives led them to here. The only one who maybe gets out is OG girlfriend who dies the opening sequence, who was like, I'm going to take the back country to get to the, the thing, which doesn't make her like necessarily smart, but does keep her out of the <laughs> otherwise uh, walking into a very obvious death trap uh, cabin situation. They have to like park their cars and then hike in. I I lived near the mountains. That's a bad idea. Anyway, <laughs> attractive girls and fucking idiots, dead snows. How do those people like each other? Medical students. What are you going to do? I really, I really <laughs> wish that movie had just been called Attractive Girls and Fucking Idiots. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joanna, who, who's, your, who's your favorite unlikely friendship? Well, so I originally created this category for Sergeant... Kenneth Hall, who's Ving Rhames, and Rooftop Andy, because they have this like long, mm-hmm. long distance yeah, friendship. Yeah, like, that, that usually doesn't work out. But they, here it they, does. Uh, they play chess. They do all the stuff. Like, I love them. Um, but I'm actually going to give it to... I actually don't know if we can call this a friendship, but they're such an unlikely duo. It's Ben and Barbara. Yeah! Right? Because <laughs> like... Just got to like, slap her back into like, reality. I don't know if it's a friendship. It's like a cuss. Like Ben just decides he's responsible for Barbara, mm-hmm. and Barbara is. It's a low bar. Somehow Nicole clears it. Barbara is like the least, the most useless character I think in any of these. She's like catatonic for most of her movie. Um, but Ben is just like, no, she's with me, and I just there's something like that I love about that. He he doesn't know her and he just decides he's in charge of her. Uh, like, not in charge of her, protecting her um, and uh, responsible for her. And I love that about the movie. Nice. Nice. Um, all right. Here's our, our last Georgie that we're all going to give and then I have a special jury award and then we'll, we'll get into uh, some other, some, some, some emails we have to read. But this one is called the Choose Your Leader Award. So I guess the idea behind this is you need to choose one character from any of these eight movies that you would actually want to follow if a zombie apocalypse broke out. Um, and uh, hopefully you would survive, I guess, if that's your goal. Uh, <laughs> but let's, let's see how this goes. Joanna, who are you choosing as the leader of your zombie survival group? Oh, I kind of want to cheat. I'm going to pull a Mallory Rubin and cheat and do sure. a smuggle and do a twofer, uh, which is I'm going to do a... I think this would be the best duo. Take Ben from Night of the Living Dead mm-hmm. and Sarah Polly from Dawn of the Dead and yeah. put them together. And you've got the thing I love about Sarah Polly, who's not like really the leader of, of that movie, that is like the, the Michael character played by Jake Weber. But mm-hmm. she is like, she's got the medical expertise. She's got like, she's got a lot of like morale and like calm demeanor. And she's the one who like figures out how the infection stuff works and all this sort of stuff. And and when Michael goes, she kind of becomes, sorry, spoilers for Michael. Um, she kind of <laughs> becomes like the de facto leader. Um, so yeah, I think, and I think she, it, like, like what if Ben had someone way better than Barbara helping him? It's like <laughs> Sarah Polly. What if Barbara Dawn was useful? <laughs> yeah, what if Barbara was like super confident in Sarah Polly? So yeah. <laughs> All right, Dave, who who are you following into the zombie apocalypse? I do like Sarah Polly a lot, and she was my original choice because I was trying to like, you know, pick survivors. I was like, somebody who survived would probably be a good leader, which counts out a lot of the people I think in Train to Busan. But um 
instead of just going with Joanna and joining that group, I'm going to back up uh, Peter from original Dawn of the Dead. He seems to keep his uh, mind sort of uh, focused. And I believe, depending on your view on uh, how things happen after the chopper takes off, also survives. Uh, so I'm going to take Peter. All right. All right, Peter. My leader. This this is a fun one. Um, I am taking a character from Shaun of the Dead, but not Shaun. <laughs> I would follow Yvonne, who is played by Jessica Stevenson, the the, yes. the full space reunion. Yes. But this is, of course, Sean's mirror group, his ex, Yvonne, who has her new boyfriend and her, I guess it's like her mom. It, it's basically the mirror edition of Sean's group. But here's the thing about Yvonne's crew. I'm pretty sure they all make it. <laughs> Yvonne yeah. doesn't have to keep her best friend in a shed because he's a zombie. <laughs> At the end, when uh, they meet up with Yvonne, when they meet Yvonne's group, and like they're all bedraggled and stuff like that, Yvonne's group, like they still have all their weapons. Mm-hmm. They're like their clothes are still crisp, not a spot of blood on them. Like it's just like you know, and and Yvonne's like, "What's your plan?" They're like, Yvonne didn't go to the Winchester. Yeah, Jessica and and like uh, Jessica Stevenson, who I love, uh, has like such cool action hair in that moment. Mm-hmm. She's got this like cool half braided ponytail, and she just looks like so fucking competent. I was just yeah. like, yes, I will yep. follow you. <laughs> Absolutely, great point, great pick. Yeah, so there, that's mine. Um, I had two special jury awards that I want to give out for needle drops. I think we decided uh, that the best one is from Shaun of the Dead, and it's Queen, Don't Stop Me Now. Amazing sequence where they don't quite kill as many zombies as you would want for a, a needle drop montage in a zombie movie, but it is very fun. I also wanted to shout out the the fact that of all the cool music that is in 28 Days Later, a, a movie with a, a pretty good soundtrack and a great score, uh, Frosty the Snowman was the most expensive piece of music in that film, uh, just as a fun fact. So there you have it. Our Georgie Romero's Awards of the Living Dead for our eight zombie movies. It is now time to sort of wrap this thing up because you, our listeners, are going to choose what is the best zombie movie ever. And of course, uh, that is uh, of these four. Really quickly, didn't you want to call out In the Hall of the Mountain King for Dead Snow? Oh, right. Just one last last Dead Snow mention in there before (laughs) nobody thinks about that movie again for another decade. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think, and listen, a lot of these movies have great opening sequences, but starting your zombie move, your Nazi zombie movie within the Hall of the Mountain King, playing over a scene where someone is being chased through the the snow with the zombies is is, uh, is really great. Uh, A shining example of why Dead Snow is uh, one of the eight, but not quite one of the four. (laughs) (laughs) It sure is a movie. All right, so we're working our way to this final poll. Um, We do have a few things to, a few more movies to dismiss, I guess. Uh, A few more sort of awards to give away. I wanted to start with some some stuff from our listeners. These are a few emails of things that we missed. Uh, First one comes from Jessica. She suggests the film Night of the Comet. And she says, we were sheltered, so I was... 12 or 13, this zombie film happened during the passing of a comet that turned everyone into 80s zombies. We join our ragtag survivors, who are two sisters who fell asleep in a shed. All metal structures kept them from being zombified. Wow, that's an incredible zombie movie rule. Just if you're in a metal structure. I forgot about Night of the Comet. 
has anyone seen this? It's available on Pluto, the streaming service. Put on your Madonna outfit and plan on sleeping in a metal shed. It's a blast, says Jessica from Night of the Comet. This is one that I didn't get to watch, um, but I think this is one that made my list for a movie that I'm going to to revisit at some point because I've heard a lot of folks that say that even though it's sort of a low low budget 80s movie it's uh, still a very fun one have either either of you seen night of the comet i haven't but i like the comet narrative of all the things to create a zombie apocalypse the comet is uh at least Wasn't a fairly unique one probably ca- uh caused the romero zombies isn't it a comet that has radiation that... no it's is it's a probe from venus i believe probe from venus <laughs> yeah that one was uh, nasa created the zombie <laughs> apocalypse oh nasa <laughs> Um, all right. And then the other one that I had from our listeners that we missed, uh, I believe we've all seen this one. Uh, Scott wrote in in support of the film Warm Bodies. As Scott writes, Warm Bodies is a really entertaining 2013 flick starring the always fun Nicholas Holt as a zombie who slowly comes back to life after falling in love. Rob Corddry is also fun as his zombie buddy. And it's got a nice soundtrack to go along with it. Don't think this should have cracked the top four fast ones, but it's a pleasant spin for sure. Uh, Warm Bodies, another movie that reminded me, uh, I, I revisited Zombieland before uh, this week uh, during our week off, that Amber Heard, for some reason, it was like a real cornerstone of the zombie genre there for a couple of years, right? Because she's in Warm Bodies and she's also in the opening of Zombieland. Um, but Warm Bodies, this is one that I remember reading the book and the book being a lot better than the movie. <laughs> like, fun fact about Warm Bodies is that it's one of those, like, sneaky, based on a Shakespeare play mm-hmm. stories. This is, supposed <laughs> to be, this is supposed to be Romeo and Juliet, right? Um, like, where he's called R. Uh, and I think she's called... Oh, yeah, and her name's Julie, right? So it's R and Julie. Okay. It's not, it's not so. Um, uh, <laughs> I love Nicholas Holt, though. Any Anything Nicholas Holt, I'm a fan of. And uh, I love the tagline for Warm Bodies, which is, he's still dead, but he's getting warmer. <laughs> uh, so, there you go. Um, all right. And then this, this email also sort of goes with a terminology debate that I think our listeners would like us to solve around romantic zombie comedies. <laughs> Because uh, we got multiple emails about this. And the first one came from Elsa, who asked us very simply, why is it Zomcom and not Zomedy? Which I really like Zomedy, personally. But then we also got an email from Lauren, who, in addition to talking about a bunch of these wonderful movies, including Warm Bodies, suggested that it should be a category called Rom-Zom to go with Rom-Com. Um, and this might also include Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, another film that we did not talk too much about. But, you know, the whole Seth Graham Smith universe is, is its own thing. But let's let's settle this. Which of these terms do you prefer? Zomcom, Zomedy, or Romzom? I like, I don't know, I still like Zomcom. Uh, Zomcom's a good one. Yeah. Romzom is a, is, a, is a decent one for the romantic ones. I do like Zomedy. I mean, if it's a romantic Zomedy, Zomedy, if it's a romantic <laughs> zombie film, but not a comedy, then it's a Romzom. If it's a romantic comedy that also has zombies, then it's a, a zomcom. All right. Um, yeah, that's what I've decided. Dave, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I guess it is sort of like a Venn diagram of things that could fit into like all three of these. But like, even though something like Return of the Living Dead has you know couples in it, I think that would be like a pure zombie. Whereas you know, obviously things like 
uh, warm bodies, I think would fit to like uh, Ramzam. So I guess the one that I'm going to try to stop using inaccurately would be Zomcom, because I think the replacement of Ram in Ramcom also takes out the romance in a way that Ramzam just implies romance and zombies, which could inherently be funny just as an idea. What's happening? Guys, what are we doing here? <laughs> the important work of podcasting about zombies. Yeah. This is as important as talking about whether or not it's capitalism or presidents. Is, <laughs> what is have, it we, what have we become? Like, it's, just, it's just gibberish at this point. Listen, these are the zomps that we came up with, okay? <laughs> Hash, hashtag zomzom. You know? <laughs> hashtag zomzom. It's a zomzom. Uh, it's a funny romantic comedy comedy. <laughs> Dave said the Dave said the phrase pure zomedy with like no trace of irony. <laughs> just like straight. He just straight said pure zomedy. Like, yeah. okay, anyway. Yeah, and listen, <laughs> I feel like after these three weeks of podcasting about zom- zombie movies, I understand exactly what he means. He said zombie. <laughs> pure zomedy is also a fantastic band name. Go ahead and take it. Nice. Um, yeah. All right, I have, I have one more thing from our wonderful listeners, and that is a single nice try award for this week, which, as always, is when folks submit one that's close, but not quite. This one, really fun, uh, debatable whether or not this is actually a zombie movie. This email comes from Alex, and Alex says, I was re-watching Swiss Army Man by Daniels a few weekends ago, and as I became immersed in the movie again, I thought, oh shit, this is a zombie movie. Nits can be picked about the narrative perspective of the movie, and is it really a zombie movie? But we are shown and led to believe that Daniel Radcliffe's Manny is a truly reanimated corpse that serves as a multi-purpose <laughs> as a multi-purpose tool for Paul Dano's Hank. It may not have a virus or logical reason for Manny to be a zombie, but what is a zombie if not a reanimated corpse? Zombie. As as Hank attempts to teach Manny what life is about, he is reconciling his own life and... We learn of his tragic past and obvious issues with mental health and the paralysis many experience about putting themselves into social situations. It's a touching, sad, and perplexing experience that's enjoyable every time, even even if Mary Elizabeth Winstead Sarah perfectly sums the movie up when she says, what the fuck? <laughs> so I like this one. Thank you, Alex. This, again, I think with Swiss Army Man, shout out to Dan, the Oscar-nominated crew, Daniels, about about to be up on that Oscar stage for everything everywhere all at once, possibly. Um, it really just depends on if you think that every all of this is happening in Paul Dano's character's head or if it's happening in real life. Because if it's actually happening, then yeah, sure. Reanimated corpse. That's a zombie, right? But uh Well, and they have a very close relationship, so it might even be a Ramzam, if not just a zombie. Sure, sure. Sure. Or or at least or at least a buddy zombie. A buddy zombie. I I like how we're committing to this. <laughs> uh, so yeah, any any thoughts on where you would place Swiss Army Man on the spectrum of zombie cinema? I think it could be in there, but like I would also, if we are in, extending to just include reanimated bodies, that I think we're uh, we're in a weird situation where it's like zomb- like Frankenstein. I don't think is a zombie, even though under this definition from Alex, he would technically be a zombie. So I, I think it, it, there's a little bit of bleed. So sure. I'm going to say Swiss Army Man, not a zombie, just because I think Swiss Army Man is the Harry Potter corpse erection movie. And that's the definition, it, all the definition it requires. You forgot farting corpse. Farting, Harry yes. Potter. Erection, farting, farting, erection, corpse. farting corpse. Guys, 
that movie rules. And if you haven't seen <laughs> it, like the three of us have been on the the train for this movie since the start. I think I think in order of appreciation, it goes Dave, Joanna, Neil, though. It just might be that Neil doesn't like need to talk about Swiss Army Man all the time. Sure. Dave got really into Swiss Army Man when it came out. For correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, you like listen to the soundtrack all the time, right? Soundtrack like, is a... still my, uh, the opening track of the movie is still my alarm. So I hear Swiss Army Man every day. He loves we need Swiss a Army Man. And like, so when the Daniels do win for Everything Everywhere All at Once, we are going to feel very vindicated mm-hmm. because a lot of people did not like this movie. And I just want to say, zombie movie or not? Swiss Army Zombie or Swiss Army Man, however you describe it, like, we were there. We are yeah. hipsters <laughs> we to this there. Yeah. Huge OG Swiss Army Man fans. I would say this, This I would probably put this in the category of, like, Weekend at Bernie's 2. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Which is, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's zombie, it's on the fringes of zombie cinema, and technically we could bring it in here, but it was... Never going to make it to the debate, obviously. But uh, yeah, shout out to the Army Man and Daniels. Uh, good luck to them on Oscar night. Uh, all right, one final thing we need to do. Each of us are going to name uh, our final toughest cut champ, which is the best zombie movie that did not make the final eight. Uh, we've talked about these in um, each week. And I think, you know, it's time we we come to a final answer. And I will, I will start. I'm sticking with, I think this was mine for the... Fast Zombies Week and on the Apocalypse. But this one uh, combines so many things that I love. It's a holiday movie. It's a musical. It's a zomcom. It's a rom zomcom. It's uh it's got uh some amazing kills, some amazing, you know, sort of low budget violence in it. Just a, a really fantastic little delight that I recommend watching around the holidays and on the apocalypse. So uh that's mine. Joanna. What do you think is the best movie that did not make our final eight? Um, I'm going to go with a movie that a bunch of people recommended I watch mm. and I hadn't seen before we started this trial royale, which is the 2017 Japanese pure zombie, One Cut <laughs> of the Dead. It's a mocu- mockumentary zomcom? Zomedy? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Zombie, pure zombie. It's a maki zombie. <laughs> yeah, maki zombie. That's exactly what it is. Um, and it's about a film crew who's like trying to make a zom- uh, a low budget zombie movie, and then they accidentally like awaken zombies as they make it, and then there's like two more meta levels involved in the whole thing, and it's just like a fun like making movies movie, and um, just like a fun, yeah, a fun comedy. Great rec, so thanks to whoever wrote in and recommended it. I had a yeah. good time with it. Shout out to One Cut of the Dead. Great one. Uh, Dave, this is, uh, I cannot believe we have not mentioned this movie yet. Yeah, that's right. I was gonna go maybe think about banging the drum for Land of the Dead, but I, I did that already in a previous podcast, so I'm gonna go with My Heart, which is Paranorman, the 2012 like a stop motion movie that involves zombies. Very zombie focused, also involves a child who can speak to the dead and how those two things sort of cross over to become a uh, story about uh, being an outsider in your community and uh, the positives and negatives of that. I love this movie. I will forever yell that it did not get the Best Animated Picture Oscar instead losing out to Brave, which is a bad movie, period. So I can't believe that they had a good movie and a bad movie uh, one. So Paranorman, <laughs> check it out. I don't know uh, if, if you haven't seen it before. I didn't 
spoil anything, but if you have seen it uh, towards the end of this movie, the fact that it's stop motion uh, really, uh, I think, advances its look and it does some amazing just filmmaking things. Uh, so Paranorman, best movie. Can it, the best movie didn't make this poll according to me. Would it have one best zombie movie? I don't think it's enough zombie mm-hmm. uh, to necessarily compete with our final four, but I'm I'm sad we didn't talk about it until now. Yeah, I love Paranorman. Kids on bikes versus zombies on Halloween. It's great. Dave, I love that you got a chance to um, praise this army man and bash uh, Brave all in one episode of a podcast. <laughs> it is, most, yeah. We're really leading into my strengths. The most Dave branded thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Pure zombie here from Dave Gonzalez. Now we're down to our final four. Uh, let's before we throw it to you and our final poll. Let's wrap it all up. We are final, final four. Twenty eight days later from two thousand two, Train to Busan from twenty sixteen, Shaun of the Dead from two thousand four, and Night of the Living Dead, maybe the OG from nineteen sixty eight. I feel like just given the previous data we've collected slash emails we've gotten, Shaun of the Dead. Seems like it's a early, early favorite. So before we move on and throw it to the democracy that I'm losing faith in, do we have any final words for any of these movies? I would like, to, I, I mean, I would like to see it. I, I would love to see a competitive race between 28 Days Later and John of the Dead, which I think are the clear front runners on, on both the fast and the slow side. And, um, you know, it's fun, it's fun to have an, like an, a knockdown drag out like brawl in in a poll. So I would love to see them go head to head. Uh if Sean if Sean pulls out like way in the lead from the beginning, like that's less interesting. So we'll see. But I'm I'm mostly I'm just like thrilled at this final lineup because 20 days later and Sean of the Dead are two extremely well known, well liked zombie films. One a comedy, one in, you know, sort of an action drama, existential what is mankind sort of film. Um but Train to Busan and Night of the Living Dead, uh, an OG classic and like an underloved modern classic that I think is only going to grow and grow and grow in people's estimation. I think this is such an incredible, uh, this is a great lineup. If I had to like program a zombie marathon at a movie theater, this is like the perfect four, I think. So I'm proud of all of us for what we have accomplished here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, at this point, the question in my mind is it'll be really exciting to see if none of these movies gets over 50% of the vote, right? If everything's under 50, I think it'll be competitive, but I think there's a chance for Shaun of the Dead to like do another 60%, uh, which would be disappointing. Here's what you got to do. If you're listening to this right now, if you made it all the way to the end of this trial Royale is you need to get out there and whip some votes for, uh, these, these, especially these two other movies, Train to Busan and Night of the Living Dead, the OG, and then the most recent, great one uh because those other two movies don't really need any help i don't think <laughs> well I, I have some questions to people do you know are giving this some thought before they vote i would say voting for neither the living dead is sort of like voting for any of the other romeros if we missed your sure. key zombie movie maybe yeah. go for the one that started it at all uh and i would say 
I would feel a little weird if we decided that the best zombie movie was a parody of having watched all the other zombie movies. Yeah. That just makes me feel a little bit weird. Shaw of the Dead, great movie. Great, maybe Edgar Wright's best movie. Maybe the best movie of 2004. Best zombie movie ever? I'm not sure. I know you might like it. And if you do like it and you think I'm an idiot, absolutely vote your conscience. But just think about it. Uh, Can the winner of any category be a parody of that category that depends on being funny because you've seen other zombie movies? If someone were like, I have never seen a zombie movie, what's the best zombie movie? Would you start them off with Shaun of the Dead? That seems like uh, something that uh, maybe the movie gets better the more you know about zombies. So then I question whether it should be at the very top of the pile. Maybe my argument makes no sense, but that's the one I want to throw out there. Sure. I mean, that's probably the best argument against Shaun of the Dead, right? Is that it requires you to know, uh, to be in on a lot of these other zombie jokes. Whereas you can watch Night of the Living Dead and go back to where some where most of these jokes originated, you know? Yeah, or Train to Busan, where it's like, you don't need to know the source of it because they've transformed the zombie into something else completely uh, similar with 28 Days Later and The Rage. Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, also, I'm very happy that they're just a lot. They're like, they're all they're all good films. There's not a and this one got in because, you know, we felt like we needed to include it, which I feel like there's, you know the Dead Snows and the uh, 2004 uh, Dawn. I was going to say, we tried it with the Nazi category. zombies. If anyone was going to sneak out, sneak in with just like a fun kitsch value, yes. <laughs> it's going to be the Nazi zombie one. 2% no. of the vote. Not even yeah. close. Twitter was like, yeah, nice the, try. <laughs> the, these are all good movies and they're all, as I said, like different flavors of movies, right? So yeah, great. Feel really good great about this. Great final four. Love it. Thrilled. So you can find our poll for the best zombie movie ever at theringer.com, at Ringer's profile on Twitter, and in the Spotify app where you find Trial by Content. You choose the winner, and we will announce it next week. Yes, next week. We're back on the weekly schedule. Uh, Speaking of, Neil... Mm-hmm. What are we doing as our our zombie antidote next week uh, to sort of do a little palate cleanser? Yeah, how would you guys feel about some singing and maybe some dancing? Uh, we're going to be doing a little bit of that and preparing for Oscar weekend as we debate what is the worst best original song winner of all time. This, of course, you need to choose from the pool of songs that have won Best Original Song at the Oscars in any of their, what is it, 95-year history at this point? And uh, we're going to figure out which one is the worst. Which one deserved the Oscar the least? And uh, I think we're also, we'll do a little chat about the this year's nominated Oscar songs, including one from my favorite movie of the year, RRR. So that's going to be fun. Send your choice for the worst Best original song winner of all time and a few sentences supporting your pick, as always, to trial by content at gmail.com and we will hash it all out next week on the pod. I just want to shout out like one of my favorite, one of the things I'm most looking forward to at this Oscars this year is that David Byrne and Oscar nominee Stephanie Shu will be performing the song from Everything Everywhere all at once. So I'm like, that's great <laughs> i'm so excited for that yeah so it's gonna be a week of oscar songs uh which will be, that's just gonna be fun to talk about i can feel it i want to say we have learned through previous uh debating songs that if you want to instead of 
just saying the song that you think is the worst. If you want to do your interpretation of it as a sound file and include it to your email to trialbycontent at gmail.com, I'm fairly sure your three hosts will have to sing their worst, best original song uh, next week. So look forward to that uh, so we don't get any crazy copyright strikes against us uh, as, as per usual. This episode was produced by Kai Grady. 